saving the world and loving it. We are the SpyFi Guys, and this is Get Smart. Welcome to the SpyFi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And welcome back to our swinging 60s spy summer. All this summer, we'll be breaking with our usual formula to cover exclusively fictional spy movies and TV shows made or set during the golden age of spy cinema, the 1960s. So grab your go-go boots and put on your ascot, because it's time to get groovy. Though, of course, this particular movie was neither made nor set during the 1960s. True. It's a remake of a show from the 60s. And That's right. if we covered Get Smart last week, I figured we have to cover the movie. I guess we could have put it in later, but I wanted to do it while our memory of the show was still fresh. Yeah. So, of course, today we're doing 2008's Get Smart, starring mm-hmm. Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway, among other people. Mm-hmm. And I noticed when I was pulling this up is that its Rotten Tomatoes score is 2% higher than another movie that came out recently at the time of recording called Monster Hunter, starring Mila Jovovich. I've never heard of Monster Hunter. Well, it's a video game movie adaptation, so okay. we can put two and two together. And I put together a cup of tea for this one because I'm going to have a lot to say about this movie. Oh boy, Zach is going to be spilling the tea here. You better buckle up. So had you seen this before? No. Okay, I have seen this multiple times. I'm yes, that means you like it. it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Do you have the synopsis from IMDb? I do. Maxwell Smart, a highly intellectual but bumbling spy working for the control agency, is tasked with preventing a terrorist attack from rival spy agency Chaos. Achel, I liked you know the intro credits where you start with the WB logo as the, one of the doors from the opening credits. Mm-hmm. You see someone with like a classic iPod, which is something I had not seen in a long time. And we were watching Maxwell Smart as he's getting ready for work. He's making like notes on all these reports. There's a lot of sticky notes all over the place, which reminded me of Night and Day with all the sticky notes. Yeah, a couple things in this movie reminded me of Night and Day. And one of the oh. posted notes says eighth times the charm, which mm-hmm. we will talk about more once it becomes clear what that means. Mm-hmm. And he plays on his old iPod ABBA. I don't remember yep. the song, but some kind of pump-up song. you change your mind, I'm the first in line. Honey, I'm still free. Hey, stop singing. Take a chance on me. <laughs> on Douglas movies, they're like, you can't sing a song for longer than like five seconds on a podcast because otherwise you might get scared. <laughs> I think that's like playing the music, but not actually singing it. Well, Doug didn't want to take any chances anytime people feel like singing. Not that I haven't been known to sing on this podcast. I mean, before. I feel like one of the podcasts of ours I recently listened to, you'd go into a whole line of Secret Agent Man. So there you go. Anyways, yeah, it's ABBA. It's Take a Chance on Me, which is relevant because mm-hmm. we'll get to that. The geography of this was mind-boggling to me. Mm-hmm. So he goes into the Smithsonian Castle, and then somehow he's he's in the Natural History Museum. Yes, the exterior is the castle and the interior is the is the museum. At this point on the credits, the name Bassi Oka appears. Haven't heard uh, from him in a while, but 2008 would be the height of his popularity from here Unless on. you're a fan of the show Hawaii Five O, in which he was a recurring guest star as the medical examiner until, like, I think three seasons before it ended. So, yeah, so he, he was very popular there. Oh, I haven't seen Hawaii Five O. I guess that uh, becomes clear now. Well, that's technically not spies. They're more cops than spies. Like, I know you like it because of the Hawaii thing, but it's a CBS crime show, right? Does that mean it can't be good? 
It's not that it's not good. It's just that I'm not interested in cop shows in general. Yeah. All right. Anyways, back to this show and this remake of a 60s property. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, it looks like it's American history next because there's an exhibit on control. Mm-hmm. But then there's a sign in the background that says Hall of Mammals. So it leads me to believe that there's a control exhibit inside the Natural History Museum. Yes, it must be. That's the Which only makes zero sense. Well, this is a comedy, but the tour guide walks by him and says <clears throat> that Control and Chaos were rivals back in the day, back in the 60s, but right. no longer exist. Neither of them do. All right, but I mean, it still may, would make more sense to have it in the American History instead of the Natural History Museum. I, but I guess the American History Museum doesn't have as a nice grand entranceway like the Natural History Museum does. Yeah, their entrance is kind of, the ceilings are low. There's no big stuffed animals to look at i don't know in the middle of that is usually like there's the wall of like pop culture which i like which would make this fit in right perfectly there yeah would have made sense that there's the suit and the car and the mm-hmm. shoe phone and all that other stuff that comes up later anyway so he goes into a door that's marked authorized personnel only and then it's all the doors from the intro credits Yes. So that was nice to see. And mm-hmm. he has trouble getting through the doors because he's carrying all of these papers and binders. Mm-hmm. Why is he carrying all these papers and binders? It is never explained. It's his reports, his lengthy reports that he does on every single thing he observes from uh, you know, his, his an- analysis. Oh, so it's secret information, in other words, that he's yeah. just carrying around Washington, D.C. that could easily blow out of his hand, which is exactly what happens <laughs> in the movie. All right, fair enough. But I mean, yeah. it's easy explainable what it is, but that part, yeah, I'll give you that. Well, I bring it up just because it's a recurring thing in the movie to have something happen because it's funny. And by funny, I mean mildly amusing, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't really make sense, both All from right. like a reality standpoint, but also a character standpoint. We'll get to that okay. later. But in a change to, you know, the opening credits, he misses the last door. Mm-hmm. And so he has to like input on a keypad what the code is, which of course sounds like the Get Smart theme song, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he goes into the telephone booth, which is an elevator that drops. See, at least his papers are flying away inside control headquarters, not like just randomly in D.C. But they could have. <laughs> I did like his observation when he says to the secretary that that elevator drops really fast, <laughs> which I always thought that was true watching the old show, that he falls really quickly. It's like mm-hmm. one of those water slides on a cruise ship with the door that falls. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, so yes, he gets into control headquarters, um, which is apparently underneath the museum. Mm-hmm. The receptionist is kind of rude to him. And there's also some bullies who are agents, uh, Larrabee and 91. I don't know why Larrabee doesn't have an agent number, unlike every other agent. Except for Smart, because they call him oh, yeah. Max, and sometimes they call him Agent 86. It's really yeah. weird. Well, but- that makes more sense because he was you know, an analyst and moved into an agent role. So people already knew his name, and then start and called him that but everyone else other than larabee just has an agent number 2399 uh, uh, 13 yeah. Yeah. and then jaime later yeah but jaime special yes also do you notice one of the bullies was played by terry cruz i did notice that i liked him yeah he's hard to miss larabee and 91 are bullying max and we also find out the agent exam results today so by analysis we can assume that this is his eighth time trying f- for an agent position yep also, we have Bruce and Lloyd, one of which was played by Massey Oka. But don't ask sure. us which one. <laughs> and then Agent 23, played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, enters. And unlike Max, he is given a much bigger reception. He's yes. so cool and suave. And Yeah, did he remind you of anybody? What is this? This reminded me of, um, what's that? And I think we talked about it. 
reminded me of Lance Sterling. I was going to say, spies in disguise. In disguise. I think I mentioned it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a lot of this movie reminds you of Spies in Disguise. The team right. up of the nerdy guy and the awesome agent guy. I can I'm not see saying that. they ripped it off. I'm not saying that, but they are kind of similar. True. Anyway, so Max is giving a briefing, and the chief comes in late. They're an- look, listening to an audio recording of Chaos hun- Henchmen talking about their breakfast. And is actual analysis this detailed on, as opposed to like uh, mostly what they're thinking as opposed to what they're eating? I don't know. I'm trying to go back to Zero Dark Thirty. Okay. How they were, because this is what they would do, right? <laughs> is they, they would listen to people, try to figure out what they were saying. That's true, yeah. But where they were originally going with the meeting was that, like, the muffins is a code name for the bomb oh, yeah, or something right. like that. that yeah. But then Max goes to a different way. I, I don't know, whatever. So this scene reminded me of The Office, of course, because Steve, well, Steve this Carell. This is at the height of The Office, really, for Steve Carell. Yeah, so this is like a kind of Steve Carell playing himself. Or playing, not, not himself, playing that character. Playing I don't Michael think, Scott? It, yeah. yeah. I don't think Steve Carell in real life is like Michael Scott. Oh, uh, that's true. But he does have a character that he plays a lot, and this is yeah. kind of an example of that. We move on to Chechnya, and they're unloading some nuclear materials, and we meet Siegfried, played by Terrence Stamp, General Zod himself. Yeah, I thought he was Malcolm McDowell for half the movie. <laughs> what? They, come on, they look similar, they talk similar, they act they're similar. British and old and have white hair, they really don't look that similar. Their uh, hairlines are completely different. <laughs> And they're grabbing all this, you know, all this nuclear material. And then so they grab that what they want and they burn the building afterwards. Mm-hmm. And back at control, they're doing some paintball training, which seems to be like full contact paintball. Because <laughs> it counts if you knock, like punch them out, not yeah. if you just hit them. <laughs> hey, the being paintball. an agent is a rough business. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So it's Max and the Rocker together. 23. Th- Okay, Max and 23 are together. Yeah. Did they tell him that he passed the, the course? I don't understand no. why he's there. He's just training. He want, Because he wants to be an agent, and so he's trains with the agents. Okay, but he already took the test. I don't, I don't really get it, but, but whatever. So I th- You're thinking about it too much. Yeah, so, so like, there's a lot of like machismo here. Mm-hmm. There's a one point where Agent 23 shoots his gun next to Max's ear and it deafens him like an archer, which, why would it do that? Because it's not a real gun. I uh, well, so that. what it looked like was that they were real guns, but they were using, using paintball rounds. Okay. Yeah, because he's using like a Desert Eagle, which is a oh, real gun. Oh, you, oh, I know he uses a Desert Eagle later. I didn't realize. But this is, I think it's here. also at this point, too. Yeah. Okay. And then also around here, I think we get a fat joke. The first fat joke of the movie. Right, yeah. So we get it as um, the chief wants to see Max, and apparently the agent test results are in, and he passed with flying colors. But yeah, as you said, in the past years, the past other seven times, apparently he was used to be heavier and so his he could wasn't fit enough to be an agent. Okay, so this is what I wanted to talk to you about, and this is why I made the tea. All right. I feel like this movie had potential to be a lot better than it is. And the main pull of this movie is the characters, right? Because the story is terrible. The plot is like barely strung together, right? Uh, Our listeners can't see me, but I'm raising my eyebrows. So it's the characters that bring you in. That's what I'm saying. You may feel free to disagree. Now, this thing of him being a really good analyst, wanting to be an agent, losing all this weight to become an agent is interesting. But I wanted to know... Why? Why he wants to be an agent? Yes. 
Who doesn't want to be an agent? Well, he lived most of his life as this other role. He tried eight times to want to be an agent. Asking too much of this, I think. I'd, like, Maybe it's I not am. necessary. I want to know why on the eighth time he lost all this weight and succeeded. What changed between attempt number seven and attempt number eight? Well, I, I think the, the weight loss and actually try, actually, I don't know. It's more than this movie is going to explain, and I don't think it really needs that. Maybe it doesn't need it. I would have liked to have known that. Because in, in screenwriting, I think we were talking about this before, there's characters' wants and characters' needs. So characters want, so his want obviously is to be an agent. He makes <laughs> it very clear. But then what's the need? Is the need respect, money, power, women? What is that? Fulfillment? Look, the need of wanting to be an agent is fulfilled by every other spy movie we have out there. We don't need that spelled out in words. Also, it's fulfilled by The Rock and seeing how cool he looks as an agent. And that's it. We don't need anything more than that. Otherwise, the movie gets too slowed down by that and you won't and can't keep up the pace that it has. We'll talk about slowing down later, but I concede that it's a dumb comedy and that we don't need in-depth character stuff. I just sort of like to have seen it. That's all. We can move on now. He passed his agent results or his agent test, but the chief says he won't promote him because he's their best analyst and he can't afford to lose him. Okay, I have, I have another thing here. <laughs> so first of all, it's oh, not God. a promotion. They're on separate tracks. Yeah. The analyst track is different from agent track. I know. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair. So calling it a promotion isn't really true, though I guess you would. So my understanding here is that control operates like the FBI. So if you read about the FBI, as I have, it's an agent-centric agency, okay, where, where the agents run, yeah. kind of run things and the analysts mm -hmm. help them. So right. you can more, maybe not call it a promotion, but he's definitely getting more responsibility if he became an agent. So that's fine. But another thing that bugged me here is that if I was told, no matter what my job was, if my boss told me, you are the best whatever, I would be ecstatic to have been told that. I understand it's a little bit disappointing because he wants to be an agent and he can't, but it's a lot better than in like Spies in Disguise, for example, where they get fired and they have to work their way up from there. All right. Again, I think you're putting too much into this. You want your characters to be sympathetic, right? Yeah. So... I, I guess I'm not really phrasing what I wanted to say that well, but something with this whole wanting to be an agent thing kind of got into my brain and is bugging me, and I'm having trouble I don't understand. putting it to words. Okay. I don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so Max, we see later, he's, he's like giving this speech to someone we can't see. It sounds like he's giving a breakup speech, mm -hmm. but he's actually talking to a dog in a pet shop window. Yes. And then as he's doing this, this woman who's running crashes into Max and she's running really fast. Like, a, what was it? A four something mile? She says something like that. Damn. How fast have you ever run a mile? Out of curiosity. Uh, six minutes. Wow, that's faster than me. I think the fastest I ever did was 6.30. But apparently yeah. that's something people know in this world. They just have it ready. <laughs> oh, that was a long time ago when I ran a six-minute mile. Yeah, me too. So they have their meet cute, blah, 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 blah. Right. And then at the end, he says, am I invisible? Yes. So I think that might be going back to the need that I was saying. <laughs> you. His need is to be noticed. And he yeah, thinks the uh, way you can do that is by being an agent. Now, in a slightly more cerebral movie. Which this is not. You, which is not. What, what you do in screenwriting is they get their need without fulfilling their why because they realize their need was actually something else. So 
in a slightly smarter, no pun intended, movie, he would get respect and noticed without becoming an agent, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's the way I would have read it, but I don't know, whatever. And then he becomes an agent at the end, but I don't know, whatever. We, we, we can go back to each quarter HQ now. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. This whole part is incomprehensible. I'm all sorry. right, all right, all right. Well, let's let's go through it. So, okay. back at headquarters, there's uh-huh. a break-in. Bruce and Lord are hiding under some rubble. And mm-hmm. the woman that ran into Max, you know, gets gun at gu- Max gets him at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. They find out she's Agent Ninety Nine. And then there's a bunch of men who are like entering the headquarters. So Max decides he's going to cause a di- diversion with a fire hose, mm-hmm. and like throws it over there, ac- turns it on, it actually knocks out all of the me- those people who are coming in. And then Max gets closer. He whams someone over the head. At what turns out, it's the chief. Okay, this part. I don't understand any of this. So first okay. of all, it's not just a break-in. You kind of undersold it. The whole place is like wrecked. It looked yeah. like the satellite control room from GoldenEye after the <laughs> ceiling falls in. All right. Yeah. Okay. So everyone's hiding. They're like, ah, oh my goodness. And then when these new people come in, and this, again, I may be giving the movie too little credit, but they're not like, friendlies coming in, friendlies coming in, don't shoot us. We're here to help you. And- that's how the chief gets hit. Okay, in any movie that you've seen, like where there there's people do what, and remember what kind of movie we're watching. When do they do that? Something like that. In active shooter trainings, which I have taken, they say when the police come in, they will say police coming in. All right, and that's fair. That's if that's police in an active shooter situation, as opposed to your super secret that the public doesn't know about it base being invaded. Uh-huh. I think. It's kind of dumb screenwriting. They wanted the chief to get hit in the face by a fire extinguisher, so they wrote the scene around it so that would happen. So that was my one observation. My second observation here is Agent 99 tells Max to do something. He like does like the kid mocking. I don't remember exactly what she says. Um, I don't remember that. I think oh, wait, said, I do. Yeah. He says something like, stay behind me. And he's like, stay behind me. Stay behind me. And I was like, oh, no. We are 15 minutes into this movie. Is the next hour and a half going to be Steve Carell acting like a man-child? I don't think I'd be able to handle that. Fortunately, it didn't turn out that way. We move on to the secret control safe house under the reflecting pool in D.C., which, if you recall, is where the secret headquarters for... I don't think we ever got a name for the agency in Spies in Disguise, but that Mm -hmm. agency... Has also, and I think I brought it up then. Well, I don't. We'll have to go back and listen to our Spies in Disguise episode. I feel like you did because I remember talking about the headquarters under the reflecting pool. Yeah, but before he goes in, there's Agent Thirteen who's in a tree, which reminded me of Agent. I think it's Forty Four who's in the clock in the episode we watched. It's got to be a reference to that. It, it just has to be. I haven't watched enough Get Smart to know, but I feel like there's yeah, there's always an agent who's like hiding in a random thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe they change his number now. Of course, yeah. this is played by Bill Murray. Right. It didn't really make sense that he's hiding in a tree directly outside of the safe house, but whatever. He's there to activate. He, If you remember, he he's the one who has to activate the walkway. Oh, so, so he must have a reason. Yeah, there's yeah. a reason for him to be there. It's and not just like a random agent there. Yeah, but we get the same kind of funny emotional where he's very he's emotional. Yeah. He's like, I just want someone to talk to me, someone <laughs> to spend time with me. So I thought he was going to come back. I no. couldn't believe this was his only scene in the movie. It's Bill Murray. He's pretty legendary for maybe showing up on thing for, for the things and then maybe not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like if they they got him for that day, filmed it, and didn't want to worry about him ever coming back. Okay. 
So they get into the safe room. Apparently, the chief's still a bit fuzzy. Before they start their briefing, Max requests using the Cone of Silence, which is an upgrade from the one in the show. Although it wasn't in the episodes we saw, but we know of it. Yeah, it's the one thing everybody knows about Get Smart. And the shoe phone, yeah. So the, uh, this cone is like a, I don't know exactly how you describe like a force field basically around each participant. But of course, they can only just not hear each other as opposed to everyone only hearing what they're saying and not people outside of the cone hearing anything. Yeah, it's not even silence because they can still hear them. They just sound like they're underwater. So for the first time, but certainly not the last, this joke is not that funny and it goes on way too long. Do you agree? That's fair. So we find out that there have been thefts of nuclear material all over the world, and break-in does serve another purpose. It's, it serves to tell us some, the motivating factor of this movie is that Chaos hacked their system when they broke in and found all the names of their agents. This is what ha- would have happened if in Mission Impossible, the knock list has been gotten out and all of the agents got killed. Right, I have knock list exposed in my notes. I'm surprised <laughs> they didn't mention it. It also was like the Avengers, the one with the body switch, where they're just killing all the agents mm-hmm. in like a mass grave in their Oh, yeah, closet. yeah. So, yeah, so all those agents are killed. So, basically, without that break-in, this movie couldn't happen because then Max wouldn't have actually been promoted to agent, which is what happens. Oh, no, that wasn't my objection to the break-in. It wasn't that it was pointless, though they could have just hacked their computer. That's pretty much what you said, but okay. No, what I said was that the scene was very, it was hard to understand what was going on. Okay. I think there must have been a scene where bad guys got into the base and, like, started shooting people, but they probably had to cut it for time. It was hard to figure out what was going on, but we don't need to go back through that again. Okay. Their only lead on this is Ladislas Kristik, who is apparently one of Chaos's, like, head bomb makers. Mm Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they have no idea where to find him. So Max gets promoted because he's the only person who, well, one of the only two people who, you know, identity, whose identities are not known to Chaos already. Mm-hmm. The other is actually Agent 99. And she has had recent, recent plastic surgery, so they don't know what her new face looks like. Mm-hmm. And when Max, you know, gets from, finds that he's promoted, he asks to use the cone of silence. So he can, like, you know, celebrate and freak out a little that he got promoted. But, of course, the cone doesn't work. I, I did like when he was like, this is the greatest day of my life. I thought that was funny. Yeah. And now, you know, 99, being an experienced agent, doesn't want to work with Max because he's untrained and untested and doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. So Bruce Bruce and Lloyd are, you know, they're basically cute. So they give Max a tricked out pocket knife with all these kind of gadgets, including a flamethrower and a crossbow with a micro, microfilament line. Mm-hmm. Max and 99 are on their way to Moscow. And Max tries to bond with 99 over their transformations, you know, him losing a bunch of weight and her going through plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. We find out that 99 used to be blonde and she's actually older than she looks. And then he starts talking about her eggs, which is so inappropriate and weird. Yes, it's weird. Well, she's the one who brings up kids as part of this cover because, you know, she, he's like, all right, you want, you know, you want kids. I want to focus on my career. Yeah, right. Yeah, that goes goes a little far. I don't think that would have been in a place in a movie made today. Fair, fair. It's trying to be a joke on, oh, that obviously Anne Hathaway is a lot younger than Steve Carell. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that they're bringing up, like, saying that her eggs are dusty or anything like that. Or actually, he he specifically says later that her eggs are not, he didn't say dusty. But um, so it's trying to be a joke on that, I think. But yeah, it doesn't entirely work. It doesn't land very well. 
So let's talk a little bit about their relationship. Obviously, the relationship between the, these two characters is pretty important. So I liked their relationship more in the movie than I did in the show. So okay. in the show, it seems like 99 just follows Max around and does whatever yeah. he tells her to do. At least from those two episodes we saw. Right. Obviously, the relationship between the two in the Avengers movie was non-existent. And the one in the show was way better. Now, in this mm-hmm. one, their relationship is better, but it's just Lana and Archer again. Uh, it's, but it's, this is pre-Lana and Archer. Right. So I guess it's like Seinfeld, where Seinfeld comes out and it sets the tone, and then everybody else copies them. Seinfeld looks like they're copying everybody else. Uh, we, have, we have not covered this movie yet, but I, I like this movie a lot in, in comparison to something that came out around the same time, which was Johnny English, also about a bumbling agent who is promoted because every other agent gets killed. Mm-hmm. We can talk about that later when we cover that and compare it to this. So it looks a lot better in contrast. I yes, think. for me. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, I do enjoy Johnny English a lot, but there are things in this which I, which I like a lot better. So here's some very topical and topical for 2008 humor. Yes. There's some gum on the bottom of his shoe. And have you ever heard of using a match to get gum off your shoe? Nope. Okay. So this is just the, this is just for this joke. I'll give you this one. This is just carrying the idiot ball, but it's fine. Yeah. He takes out a pack of matches, tries to use the matches to get the gum off of the shoe. Mm-hmm. And of course, people think he's trying to light his shoe as because he has, think he has this shoe bomb. And then, of course, no, it's just gum. Oh, he's got a gun. How long after the shoe, the shoe bomb was this? Uh, I should look that up for Spy Fact versus Fiction. <laughs> we also <laughs> talked about it on Admiral McRaven's book, but I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, keep it describing this scene. I'll look it up. People start shouting, and then a very aggressive Sky Marshal comes in and tackles him and puts him in uh, flexi cuffs. Yes. So the attempted shoe bombing took place on December 22nd, 2001. Okay, that's seven years old. after. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He tells the Sky Marshal that he needs to use a bathroom. 99 and him have like this chat and like she's like, are you, are you going to be able to make you know the exit in those? And he's like, I'll be fine. <laughs> of all the attachments on that thing, why would you try to use the crossbow? Because he's dumb. Because this movie is dumb. <laughs> And yet you're trying to put screenwriting tips onto it about wants and needs. I'm full of charity. What can I say? <laughs> so this scene also goes on too long and it was painful to watch. That I will agree with you. Like all this, anything like this or even like the very last scene mm-hmm. where it's just him getting hurt and like that sort of stuff. I don't necessarily like that kind of comedy. You don't like slapstick comedy? It's not slapstick. It's more like cringe. Yeah, it's like a, like a brutal combination of the two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And on his very last shot, he managed to, to break the cuffs, but also press the eject button without his parachute. Thus begging the question, does every plane in the world have parachutes and an eject button in the bathroom just in case a control agent needs to use it? Or are they on Only the ones that they book. I think it's, it's one specifically, and we'll answer that question. But it leaves oh, really? more questions. Okay. <laughs> so, I don't know, we'll get into it. So... Right when he says that, the pilot says first package away. So the pilots have to be in on it. Oh, I see, I see. That works. Yeah. Anyways, so 99 goes in next, and but then also notices that he that Max did not take his parachute. Mm-hmm. And so like exits out after him. And so the pilot says second package away. And then she she catches up to Max. And then we go back to the pilot who says third package away. And his co-pilot's like third package so is he actually a chaos agent inside control hmm, maybe 
or this bad guy tricked them, disguised himself as a control agent. I think that's probably more likely. You know, actually, you know what we skipped over entirely? There's, so there's the scary guy in the back who was yeah. meddling them. We don't need to go any more detail than that. I mean, but, I, would, I was going to say, because they actually do talk about profiling, but then they sort of like push it aside because he's like this huge guy in a, in a turban. I'm yeah, like, with dark skin and who yeah. looks scary. And you would think progressive Hollywood would have him not be the bad guy because he looks like a bad guy. Of course, the story is more complicated. We'll get to that later. Yeah. But I was a little disappointed that their profiling turned out to actually be correct. Yeah. And that's fair. They're like, that one I'll, I'll give you, like, mm-hmm. did make me feel a little uneasy about that. The chaos agent, uh, who we find out later, his name is Dalip, or Dalip. Dalip, yeah. Dalip. He also has a parachute, and there's a fight midair, which actually looked pretty good. I'll give them. Yeah, didn't they do this in a James Bond movie? Like, uh, Moonraker? One of the ones with Jaws. They did do it in Moonraker, yeah. yeah. I will say, he, like, uh, Dalip's whole, or Dalip's whole character is very reminiscent of Jaws. I think reminiscent, I'd say it's more like a direct ripoff, but okay. <laughs> I think it's a loving parody. Homage. The line between yeah. a ripoff and homage can often be very slight. He grabs onto uh, 99 and Max, and... So they're trying to fight, and nothing's working. So she kisses Dalip. Dalip? I keep I keep messing that up. I think, it's, Dalip? I think it's Dalip. Dalip. Yeah, she kisses Dalip, which distracts him, and then she knocks him away, and he doesn't pull a shoot. Mm-hmm. But Nina is able to pull her reserve shoot. And the day is saved. And I do like the part where Dalip lands in a barn, and then when a farmer comes in, it's like, what's going on? He, like, throws a pig at him. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was funny. A very CGI pig, but not yeah, it was funny. Some, yeah. Not some quality slapstick for it, yeah. Yeah, see that, that yeah, that's funny. Mm-hmm. We have 99 and Max, like after they landed, are bickering, and 99's still going on about, and rightfully so, going about how he's untrained and untested and doesn't have any experience. Yeah, it's a power struggle, and she does a lot of thing of, shut up, get your gear, shut up again, and start walking. But I will say there's a difference in terms of, yes, yes they're bickering, but... Mm-hmm. It's the difference between Archer just being a jerk and lo- as opposed <laughs> to Max being untrained, but still has actual potential and wants to have a shot. But you'd think as smart as Max is, he would be smart enough to know what he doesn't know. And that's kind of what bugged me a little bit. He still uh, kind of has this attitude of like, I always know the right thing to do. You know what I mean? But the thing is, oftentimes he does actually know things that don't, no one else knows because he got so far into the weeds of his analysis. Oh my gosh, this is just like our conversation about Spies in Disguise, where I was bugged by Tom Holland's character being kind of up himself and talking down to Lance Sterling. Wow, <laughs> it all comes full circle. We're back at uh, Control HQ. Which is fine some, now. Yeah, well, not fine. <laughs> it's that they're repairing things. Yeah, I did like the construction guys to have a little bit yeah. of continuity showing Also, that. all the age because, you know, none of the agents can actually go out and do work, they <laughs> they retask them to be doing analysis work. Mm-hmm. And they're terrible at it. <laughs> and then Bruce and Lloyd actually are mentioning, start, like, make a mention of Project Jaime, which is stolen chaos technology. That's neat. Don't they have like an explanation for its name that is actually an acronym? They do, yes. And then we have some charming workplace violence. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Have you never been so pissed off that someone <laughs> didn't unjam the paper that you stapled something to their heads? Oh my goodness. I've never I'm even good. thought about it. <laughs> no, I've not even, I mean, I've been pissed off about Jam Copier, but no, I've not thought about that. Yeah, take it out on the printer, dude. It's not just that he didn't unjam the printer, but he's like, Larrabee is seemingly just an asshole, so. But still. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty extreme reaction. 
and they're at Cafe Mince Pince. They have some banter at the table. We find out that apparently this is a favorite location for uh, Ladislas Christic, as well mm-hmm. as other chaos agents. And so Max goes to the bathroom and overhears some Russians talking about his job in Chechnya, you know, moving around nuclear materials. Mm-hmm. And there's a joke that, you know, he's pee- like he's peeing and like he's he stops as he's trying to hear something. And then they like look at him and then he keeps peeing. Thankfully, it doesn't go on too long. Yeah, it didn't bother me as much as some of the other jokes that go on too long. It's a good opportunity for him to be like peak physical conditioning that you can start stop, stop <laughs> peeing as you need to. <laughs> I did like when they start talking Russian. He's he's like, he's like, are you talking to me? Like in a very like American touristy way. So I appreciate yeah. him playing up the loud, obnoxious American. Yeah, I appreciate it too. His like watch starts clicking when he's around them. He's oh, time to take my pill. We find Ooh, out though, his yeah. watch is a Geiger counter. They've been in around radioactive material. Yes. So they follow these two Russians to a party on a scooter. I don't know where they got the scooter. They have their ways. They're secret agents. Yeah. Of all the w- ways to travel around, you pick a scooter. Yeah, you think they want something cooler. That's the reason why I wanted to be an agent in the first place. They go to the party, and Max realizes it's Ladislas Christic's house. Mm-hmm. And he tries to use an attachment on his, you know, Swiss Army knife, which has a blow dart. Uh, and he's, it's like, you know, right at the edge of his range in terms of where he could try. So he like takes a really deep inhale to blow out the d- blow dart, but then ends up swallowing it. <laughs> Yeah, didn't they do this in an Indiana Jones movie? No? Yes, they did. It was Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's why you don't remember it. Which is it. different, though, because it's not that someone else like blows hard. It's Indy blows into it before on the, from the other end. Okay, uh, yes. Yeah. Thank you for the correction. So the point is, someone gets self-blow darted. <laughs> blow gun darted. And it's a different joke, I would say. <laughs> okay. So then this part is like night and day again. So we're talking about <laughs> night and day. Here it comes. Here it comes back. Right. One of the team is unconscious. The other one changes them without their consent. But it's not as bad because it's the guy this time. Max wakes up in the shed. And yeah, 99 is in a dress and Max is in a tux. And yeah, like you said. Right. Uh, 99 changed Max and even like give, puts him in boxers instead of briefs. So that so. So she saw everything. Yeah. Which she like comments that he does not like the, how does he call it? Freedom of being uh, in boxers. Yeah, well, they, they bring that up later in the laser scene. Yeah. So, okay, I, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to keep doing this. I'm sorry, but this jumped right. out to me. It's like, this might have been a good opportunity, and they never do this in the movie. Wow, maybe being an agent isn't everything you thought it was cracked up to be. In this scenario? I mean, wow, not, wow. Not, in, not in this scenario in particular, but in a lot of movies like this. Like, okay, here's a great example. Firefly episode War Stories. So I we, do not remember. Okay, so the, pre- the premise of the episode is Wash, Hoban Wash Washburn, played by Alan Tudyk, is jealous of Mal and Zoe always oh, having war stories. Right. So then he gets captured by the bad guy and tortured. And he's like, wow, maybe being a, a big action hero isn't all that's cracked up to be. All right, but this, uh, to quote Kingsman, this ain't mm-hmm. that kind of movie, bro. No, this is a movie where everything's nice and fluffy and fun. And I really Which, should. It, I mean, you remember what this is, ba- the source material this is based on, which is a mm. comedy show from Mel Brooks. I think the reason why I'm being such a pain in the butt about this is because I really liked these characters and I just wanted to see a little bit more. I feel like there's a deeper character there that could have been pulled out and the, could have elevated the movie to a much higher place than it is. But okay. I think that's the last complaint I have about it, but I'm not going to make any promises. <laughs> 
I do like this moment, though, where, like, they enter the party. Max is like, you know, there's at least 200 people here. How are we ever going to find Ladislas Kristik? Mm. And then he just walks up to him and says, hello. It, well, in Russian, Privet. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember how to say my name is. Oh, you want uh, <laughs> Yeah. He says, I'm, my, I'm Ladislas Kristik. Welcome to my party. And he asks mm. 99 to dance, and Max is going to go snoop. And so Max, you know, is trying to get 99's attention, you know, survey the place. And she like wave like from across the room. She like waves him off, is ignoring him because she thinks she know she can do better, like right. getting information out of Christic. And she's like annoyed with him in general. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a part where she's like, he's a mentally disabled, deaf and dumb horse groomer. He's like in the doghouse right now. Max goes, you know, to get her attention and just get hit like to sort of disrupt everything. Mm-hmm. He goes asks uh, this bigger girl to dance. That's a very diplomatic way of putting it. I, I like that. Because they could have just been a joke, but they actually give, like, have mm-hmm. some body positive, posi- body positivity here. Well, I just wasn't sure what I was supposed to be feeling in this scene that goes on and on and on and on. Yeah. Like, is he trying to make Age 99 jealous is the idea that he's, like, better at dancing than she is? Or I, what? I just didn't know what it meant. I think it was just, he's just trying to get her attention. Is like, all right, that we need to go and, you know, di- so disrupt her dance, basically. He's like, let's end this, so we're going to move on, even though it goes on too long. Okay. And so they do this dance, and like, I think the girl comments, and Max is very light on his feet, and she's like, oh, I just lost 150 pounds. He's like, oh, me too. Like, And they show her dancing, like showing that she can dance just as well as Christic or Mm -hmm. 99, which I liked. I appreciated that. Like they even do, he even does like a game of one-upsmanship. Someone does a drag, and someone else does a drag. Someone does like a lift, a jump, and some. Max right. has this like giant leap with her and then also pulls her in for a dip. Mm-hmm. Apparently he did a lot of weight training in addition to the cardio. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. For yeah. like 30 seconds. Which yeah, I, I, I tried at the gym today. I thought of this pie museum where you have to <laughs> hold on to the helicopter. Yeah, yeah. So I, I tried to do it. and I think I could do it for maybe like 10 seconds. I think I've gotten 30 seconds on that thing. Mm. <laughs> Even with like the wind, it like knocks you around. Yeah. So. Even lifting your own body weight could be tough. So. Well, I will say, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is a fun story. In moments like that, in real life, your adrenaline is going to kick in and allow you to hold on for much longer. Like, I once fell through a roof and managed to grab onto uh, one of the uh, rafters. Wait, what? <laughs> what It's a very happened? silly story. Um, there were birds in my house, and I, I went into uh, the crawl space to try to get mm-hmm. to get them out. Didn't realize that the ceiling you could you should only step on the rafters in between and not uh, rafters and not in between them. So I fell through the ceiling. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I managed uh, to grab onto one of the rafters as I fell instead of like breaking one of my legs. Mm-hmm. In a normal circumstance, I might not be able to hold on that long. Whereas I was holding dangling there for a, a while before someone came to find me. I like I didn't realize how because I was just focused on looking up and not like looking down. So I didn't actually know how far which made me feel like part of this movie where and we'll get to that later where you know he thinks they're so far off the ground but in reality like a foot off the ground. Were you like a foot off the ground? I was maybe two or three foot up feet off the ground. So I could have actually let go. I just Mm. didn't know because I was my mind is going in overdrive and you know my adrenaline was running so I was able to hold down much longer than you than I would in a normal case. 
Well, that's pretty cool, actually. That's kind of a cool story. I would brag about that. Because, like, I like, always wondered... I fell through a ceiling because I didn't step on what I... Didn't know what I was doing. I mean, whatever. We all do dumb stuff. But I always thought in movies when characters, like, hang on with one hand to, like, the edge of a building or something, yeah. that, like, really difficult to do. Unless you're really strong. Right? Yeah. So Well, it was two hands. It was not a one-handed grip. It oh, was not, it, like, yeah. Yeah, but even with two hands, it's, it's tough. Okay. Yeah. So, but, yeah, so move that, on. I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think I'd tell that story today, but I guess I did. We're going to use up all our stories by the time we're done with this thing. <laughs> Hi, SpyFi fans. We have a promotion for you. This is not an ad. No, it is not. We're offering you a chance to win a free SpyFi Guys t-shirt if you live in the U.S. or Canada. All you have to do is leave a five-star review for this podcast on iTunes and use the code word SUMMER in the review. That's the code word SUMMER. You have until the end of the swinging 60s summer to the end of September 2021. We will select our winner at random from all the entries received. Again, that's a five-star written review with the code word SUMMER for your chance to win. Good luck, and thank you for listening. Where were we? 99 goes off with Max, but mm. we find out that 99 did get some good intel. Somehow she found out that the office is was in the guest house. Okay. They have to get you know go in through the sewer. Max makes reference to James Bond. And uh, says, yes, he does. Yes, he does. That's true. They're like going through the sewer and it's like, you know, oh, oh, great. Rats and poop. You know, you know what? I never saw James Bond in rats or poop, let alone rats and poop. Okay, the poop I'll give you, but rats, they appeared in a few James Bond films, including Diamonds Are Forever. Yes, I'm sure. But this part made me think mostly of Indiana Jones. It did, because he said all rats. And I feel like now I'm trying to think there is a scene where he goes through a sewer. Yeah. In From Russia Would Love. Oh, I thought you well, meant Indiana Jones. Uh, oh, yeah, of course Indiana Jones, all rats, <laughs> and they're going through the sewer, uh, or, or what's like a, yeah, to the catacombs. Yes, but yes, it did remind me of that as well. Anyway, so they find a way in, they use some exploding dental floss. This was cool, and she has a whole thing of it. And I like how the canister that holds the floss is also like the detonator. Yeah. It reminded me of the explosive gel from Batman Arkham Asylum. You can, <laughs> can kind of that. put it yeah. anywhere you want. So they get in. We find that there's a laser net that's uh, guarding this whole thing, uh, mm-hmm. which was very reminiscent of. Have you ever seen uh, Entrapment? With I was about Jenna to say, Jones? isn't that your favorite movie because there's Sean Connery in it? I did enjoy it, but it's mm-hmm. not my favorite. I've only seen it like once or twice. Okay, but yes, uh, that's the only thing anybody knows about that movie is the laser part. They're stealing art? (laughs) I don't even remember. (laughs) Yeah. So Um, they have to get through a laser net using gymnastics. Have you ever tried? They have these sort of things like at, well, I have one at this, at the Spy Museum in uh, New York City. I'm going to mention a different Spy Museum for once. It's called Mm -hmm. Spyscape. Okay. And they have one of these, which have you, uh, have you ever tried one of these things though? They had one at the Berlin Spy Museum, oh, yeah. but the line yeah. was too long, so uh, we didn't want to wait to do okay. it. They're tough. Yeah, I, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. Yeah. But this uh, one has uh, an incentive, because there's it doesn't just set off an alarm, it'll, like, cut you. Yeah. So, yeah, so, like, uh, um, 99 goes, so, well, first she rips her dress to, like, for more maneuverability, and she's crawling through. She also takes off her shoes, which will become relevant later. And this is a fact my wife noticed, is that she somehow got her shoes through that without taking them off, but not bringing them through. So it's like a continuity error? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She gets through, then Max goes through. And he's actually doing pretty well. Like, of course, something goes wrong. Yes, there's a rat decided to come along for the ride, which causes him to panic, <laughs> but he makes it through anyway. 
fortunately. Yeah, well, he get his suit gets all cut up, and mm -hmm. the he, he hits the lasers. But they, you do see like cutaways of like one of uh, Chris Dick's men's telling him that someone's activated the laser net. Yeah, so the bad guys aren't totally dumb. Yeah. That's a nice change of pace. So 99 goes in to hack into the computer. Max is like snooping around and he just parts, tries to part a bead curtain and it all falls down. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't make any sense that it was funny. He gets into the computer with a thumbprint trick, which doesn't make any sense. Actually? Or are you going to do that in Spy Fact vs. Fiction? Actually, that's a good Spy Fact Yeah. All right. Well, while you're looking that up, bad guys show up. They look like they've captured 99 because they're holding her, but then there's a gunfight followed by a fist fight. And when it's over, Max shoots a guy dead, killing someone for the first time. Yeah. And again, this is what I was, uh, and I guess we'll talk about this whenever we cover Johnny English. But uh -huh. what I appreciated by this is that, uh, you know, they actually show Max actually killing people. Oh, they don't do that in the show? They do it in show Get Smart, but in Johnny English, for like anytime he, they have him try to use a gun, it like malfunctions in some way. Oh, interesting. I yeah. guess it's like to be more family friendly is the idea. Maybe, maybe. I saw Johnny English before I saw this movie. So when he just kicks it, you know, when she kicks it up to him and he just point blank shoots him, like, whoa, okay, all right. You know what? He is a spy. He's an agent. He should be willing and if, in, if, in, if needs be to do that. Again, so if this I, were a different movie, maybe you'd have a twinge of conscience about it, but it's not that movie. I made my point. No need to go over that again. <laughs> He's a killer. It's all good. It's all one big, happy, fun time. There's another argument between Agent 99 and Max, and she says at one point, you can't trust anyone, even me. Uh -huh. And I'm like, what? That's not this that kind of show. You can totally trust her. Mm, probably. As they're arguing, also, they're also looking for new wheels, which because mm -hmm. I think they've gotten to the limit of being able to use a scooter. So, like, they go, th they're driving this town, and there's all these Russian model sedans, almost look like a Trabant. But I was like, it doesn't make sense for there to be a Trabant there because it's East, it's not East German. No, it's also well after the fall of the Soviet Union. Though I guess the, the car stayed around, so that's fair. Yeah, yeah. There's a homage. I don't know which came first, but they do the joke. I almost said the Morgan Freeman joke, the Michael Caine joke uh -huh. about the Lamborghini from The Dark Knight. <laughs> Take the Lamborghini then, much more subtle. Ooh, same year, 2008. Okay. So there's no way that it's not exactly the same. Max makes a joke, you know, after the fall of communism, these are dime a dozen. And then they, <laughs> they go drive past this, this Russian fat farmers and it's like, holy crap, a Ferrari. Wow. Is that supposed to be like a political statement? I didn't really get it, but whatever. Well, I mean, I feel like there's it may be a reference to Goldeneye. Okay. Because do you remember that, like, uh, Fomka Jensen's character Zinnia on a top is driving around a Ferrari, and even like Bart Brosnan <laughs> is like, is you know, once he, he meets her, I as I hear, you know, after the fall, you know, it's a new place. It was, and there's like, yes, with a Lamborghini in every garage. Oh. I don't know if it's that direct, but maybe. Know, but it, it reminded me of that when I saw that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so they drive to Moscow. They get to the bakery, which I guess we kind of skipped over the fact that that was their one lead that they found in the computer is the bakery. Yes. Max is going to go into the bakery by himself, whereas, well, 99 is going to go infiltrate through other means. And we find yes. out that his buckle has a poison pill. He makes a, he has a, I like this joke. I liked it too. Well, there's, there's two jokes that I like. He was like, <laughs> Do they tell you how your belt buckle works? It's like, the technology for holding up pants has not changed in many years. Mm -hmm. It's got a poison pill. I was like, great. How do I get them to take it? 
Yeah, I like that. And then he yeah. also has a tooth in his radio. And I like the joke too, where he's uh, like, Radio in his tooth, do you mean? <laughs> radio in the tooth, tooth in the radio, whatever. I, I like the joke. He's like, Can you hear me now? Really? Yeah. You like that? It was so, stu- it was so stupid right. that I couldn't help but laugh. Okay, okay. Anyway, so yeah, so he infiltrates the bakery. The uh, old baker woman there, like, he thinks she's fl- he's flirting with her, but he's not. And then he's, oh, and he finally says, Let us last Christic send these. Oh, take a number. He's like, But I'm the only one here. Mm-hmm. And then so he pulls the number in one of those, like, classic red. I don't know what you call those things. It's a deli counter machine. Yeah. We used to use them and all the time at Stop so and Shop. He, right. And so he pulls it, uh-huh. and then a secret door opens. I enjoy a secret door, but mm-hmm. this one seems. I don't not know. That it seems secret? Like, not, not, not only not that secret, but it seems not the best way to do it. Because what if someone comes and actually needs help and pulls the number? Oh, that's true. Well, then they'll say there's practically nobody here, so you don't need to pull a number, see? Right, ah, but what if they actually get circle. busy at some point? They, they won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair. I, I, All one right. last thing to say at the bakery, she offers some free rugula. Rugula is amazing. If you ever get yeah. a chance to eat it. I yes. have not tried. Okay. It's right. really good. Okay, good to All know. Right. Uh, he f- goes to the door, finds Siegfried and his number two guy, Shark to Starker. Mm-hmm. And there's the whole thing about how do I know you're not control? If you were control, you'd be dead. If I were control, you'd be dead. Well, we're, neither of us are dead, so we're obviously none of us are control. There you <laughs> <It's> like, go. <laughs> I also like he introduces himself as Nunnik Shelps. Nun- <laughs> oh. The word Nunnik is a uh, Yiddishism. Oh, okay. And so as they're walking around, you know, the Ode to Joy is playing. Mm-hmm. Siegfried makes some, co- some comment about it ending with a bang. Yeah, this pretentious villain reminded me of Sean Connery from the Avengers. Oh, I can see that, yeah. Yeah. Except not as weird. That's true. No furry costumes. No. <laughs> Taking, showing him around again, and this is the door to our innermost sanctum. <laughs> but some guy he barely knows. He just right? invites him in. <laughs> Which Max believes. But, of course, it's actually not, not that. It's an interrogation cell. And right. Siegfried knows who he is. And so Siegfried leaves him in the room with Starker, who's about who's going to interrogate him. I like this. He like, tries to throw the phone at him to, uh, to like, knock him out. But, or, but you know, the phone has a cord, so it doesn't <laughs> yeah. work. And then he hits him with the table. I also like, like how the would you believe joke from the series oh, yeah. comes back. Yeah. Which maybe they did it a bunch of times in the they series. They did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Of the jokes, the recurring jokes, I think there's that, and there's the missed it by that much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or like two of the more famous recurring jokes. It takes out Starker, and he over the molar radio, he warns 99 that they're compromised. Yeah. And 99 gets chased by a bunch of chaos goons, and so she's running. And Max uses Starker to like his eye to activate the retinal scan. Whoa, You're gonna do the on. joke. What? Are you going to talk about the joke? Which joke? Oh, the gay sex joke? Yeah, yeah, that didn't age too well. But I was more oh. amused by the way he tried to do the scares just by taking his face and just smashing it into the scanner <laughs> a bunch of times. Which is a joke that they replayed in another film starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Is it? Which one is that? Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, okay. It's funny. Especially because I think he probably knows the right way to do it, but like was panicking or something. <laughs> It, it worked right. for me. You know, it, it boggles my mind. Which of these jokes work for you and which of them don't? What can I say? Maybe we'll have to go back and uh, analyze them and find out. The ones that don't go on too long, those are the ones that I like. Okay, you know, actually, that that, that checks out. That's fair. Mm-hmm. 
So Max is continuing to infiltrate the area. He finds a yellow cake uranium, but okay. also there happens to be a birthday. So there's actual yellow cake. Yes. An obvious joke, but, but whatever. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. It, well, not only is there a yellow cake, but there's missile warheads. Yeah, there's all these, like, the production of warheads and all, all sorts of stuff. So he mm-hmm. places charges around the building, but not enough to actually set off the, nu- the nukes, but enough to bury the weapons lab. Yeah, so he's smarter than he seems. Yeah. This is when he meets up with 99, uh, mm-hmm. and they get chased by the leap to the roof, and they're they try fight. to fight him off, Yeah, yeah. but he's way too strong. And Max realizes he recognizes his voice from the chatter, which is the very same chatter we talked about in the beginning when he's giving that briefing. Well, he has like a psychological profile on him. Yeah. I like this part. It seems very real. I mean, in a fictional way, though. Yeah. We both enjoy America's top 40 Ryan Seacrest. And like it gives him all these facts about him that, you know, is trying to warn <laughs> him that his, like, his marriage is in danger because he's spending too much time away from home. So he's really trying to use his psych profile against, or not just his profile, but his, uh, his dossier. Mm-hmm. That's the word I was looking for. His oh, dossier. Okay. Yeah. He knows who he is. And like, he even says, take her with you the next time you go to kill a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She uh, wants her appreciation and attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and at least if you do that, it'll keep her away from her sister, who you know is trying to undermine your marriage. <laughs> <laughs> the leap is, decides he's going to help and gives them a hug. Well, first, Max is trying to use use a grappling hook to escape, but he didn't get it onto the roof, and also he didn't hold onto the rope. Yeah, so it's like a total fail, so that was kind of funny. Then the leap like, uses some power lines to, to escape, but just sort of abandons them. And I did like this joke, uh, where he crashes into a window, mm-hmm. and the family there is watching... Did you know what they were watching? A Rambo movie. It's Batman Begins. Oh, it's yeah. It's the explosion of the monastery. Right. Yeah, the monastery. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, the, and so, like, they're watching that on the TV, and the, the guy is saying to his mom, see, this, it's like surround sound. It's like, you're really there. Mm-hmm. Funny anyway, Russian, of course, with subtitles. So Max and 99 go also go across to the building via power line, but, if you know, they crash. Instead of crashing into the window, they crash into a wall. Max says, missed it by that much. Uh, yes, of course, the callback. Very conveniently, of course, though, uh, Siegfried sees them, uh, you know, right outside the windows, like, shoot them. And then, like, you know, the line drops them. And this is where, like, yeah, Max thinks that they're still really high up. But, of course, they're only three feet or a foot off the ground. And they just mm-hmm. drop. Which, yeah, I, I, I get that. <laughs> As I said in my story right earlier. Out. So I'm like, okay, so they took care of the bad guys. The movie's over, right? Nope, there's still 45 minutes left. <laughs> Oh, no. Or maybe more like half an hour left, but either yeah, way. But, yeah, around there. So they, so they call up the chief, and he sends 23 to do cleanup. Mm-hmm. And then we actually get a nice scene. Like, you wanted character development? Yeah. Here's your character development. Mm-hmm. Max asks 99 why she changed her look. She said that, well, first she gives this, like, very, like, bl- vague answer without that doesn't reveal, like, anything. Oh, my personal life and my job got mixed up, and... Yeah, we find out that apparently she was dating someone at work, and she lost focus and blew a mission. And mm. because of that, blowing that mission, she either had to change her face or uh, would have to work as an analyst, which she said would be like putting a cheese grinder or was a cheese grinder, some kind of grinder to her face every for eight hours every day. That's okay. One. Yeah, so this is the thing, and Hollywood screenwriters love to do this. You know, like working in an office is terrible. Being an agent is great. I didn't really have a problem with this personal story so much. It kind of. Okay. 
I didn't feel like we really needed to know why she changed her face. I didn't feel like that was so important. I think it was to show that she's not as put together as she seems, that she has her issues too. But then this gets undermined later when we find out that The Rock is the guy that she gets involved with. Because why would you change your face but then go to work at the same place where your ex is? From what we've seen, for the most part, what I'm chalking this up to is when we see all the agents getting taken out. Generally, they're not working in pairs. They're just working solo. So if she's an agent, she goes out most of the time. Like the fact that that Max had never met Ninety Nine before this point, yeah, yeah, shows that they're not really in the in headquarters that much. So she wouldn't okay. even be talking to the Rock that much or Twenty Three. Right, I can kind of see that. That's a yeah. pretty good explanation, I suppose. Yeah. We also get a cutaway scene to the Moskva Ridge, R- River, which I believe is just how you say Moscow in Russian. It's Moskva. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're bringing out a bunch of the bombs underwater. We go to Siegfried on a tugboat, who reveals that LA is the target because the president will be there. Mm-hmm. And we see that the leap is also in the boat. Siegfried is still giving him crap. Yeah, and for so letting them like, get away, which I guess he kind of deserves. But also right. just being a jerk to him, anyways. Yeah, obviously he goes well beyond. Yeah, what was necessary. Yeah. And so we go uh, to Moscow the next morning in the hotel that 99 and Max are staying in. 99's on the phone, is hearing the chief say that the 23 said that there's no nuclear material there. Right. So it's like, is Max a traitor? Because no one actually saw what he did. Well, yeah, 99 realized that she never saw any any of the proof that Max was talking about. Mm -hmm. Max overhears 99, but of course it makes it sound, parts that he's hearing makes it sound like 99's the mole. Which is yeah. why she's that line is dropped earlier that you could you can't trust anyone, even me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that should have been a hint that there was going to be a traitor in the team. Yeah, eventually. Uh, so she gives him the phone, which has knockout gas in it, which is a, is a nice touch. I was like, that, I was not expecting that. Yeah, that was that was good. That was good. Yeah, and so Max is taken back to DC in cuffs. Twenty three ninety nine, and the chief are in the are you know in the transport with him. And this is when we find out that yeah, 23 was the one, one who 99 dated before. Mm-hmm. And we get uh, Siegfried calling the U.S. Homeland Security threat line. Yeah, I like this. Where it's like, <laughs> press one for this, press two for that. So it looked like a meeting of, a, of the Joint Chiefs. Right. In the war room. And so the VP is holding court. Mm-hmm. When Siegfried's call comes through, who makes he makes his threat and mm-hmm. says they want $200 billion by 3 p.m., no, I guess they're still on the line, but they mm-hmm. I don't know if Siegfried can hear them like all infighting, like where the chief is saying that, you know, this is chaos. Control needs to be in charge. And the, the VP is like, ah, oh, you guys are outdated and you had your day. You're not worth anything. Oh, it makes yeah. a joke about the bakery. <laughs> the bakery boys or something. Yeah, I, I, I did like that. Then the chief tackles the VP. <laughs> yeah, this is so ridiculous. I don't know. I mean, you can imagine like, just some of these Intel guys getting so fed up with someone that they just you go like go for it. I mean, I guess workplace violence has been normalized in this parallel world of ours, so might as well keep going. I, I see. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Max is in a cell. 23 and 99 are going to go see the president who's yes. in L.A. And what's he doing in L.A.? He's reading a book to kids, which is exactly what Bush was doing when 9-11 happened. Yeah, so 2008 is the tail end, I guess, of Bush jokes in movies. Depending on when this... Well, this this was made probably before the election, so mm-hmm. those jokes were still around. Yeah, they're almost quaint now. 
But I, I liked, so there was that. But I also liked this scene where one of the kids who's like on a chair next to the president says like, I think you'd, you would suck if you were my teacher or something mm. to that effect. And the Secret Service agent moves his, the kid's chair away from the president. Kids say the darndest things. I, I, I thought that, that was funny, yeah. <laughs> so Max, you know, in his cell has a dream about being fat again. And the guards, mm. and of course, it's just a dream. The guards bring him a very scratchy blanket. Uh, yeah, but he is allowed a radio. He also makes a smallpox blanket joke. Oh yes, yes, he does. That's what we want in our family-friendly <laughs> action adventure movie. I mean, it is. What was this rated? PG thirteen? I think so. Yeah, he has a radio, so he's, and he's listening to Ryan Seacrest, America's Top Forty, mm-hmm. and Dalip sends him a message to meet him in L.A. and plays the song Four Minutes" by Madonna, featuring Justin Timberlake. Which shows up again at the end credits, I believe. Which I, I do like that song. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm glad you did. He gets the guards in, like taunts the guards and gets them to come in and mm-hmm. like beat him up a little bit just so he can hear what the code was. Somehow. I don't really get how that works, but I oh, guess it does. I'm, it's totally like those kind of old touch, like oh, think of it like a touch tone phone. Uh-huh. Each of those numbers has a different tone. So you can hear the difference in the numbers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he so he uses the antenna of his radio to press the right numbers, gets out. Bruce and Lloyd catch up to him. Yes. <laughs> like this part. He said, no, we, we, we don't think you're the mole at all, but we need to make this look good for the cameras. They have this fake fight where he's going to punch Bruce, but Bruce goes the entirely opposite way that you would from the punch. Yeah. And then Lloyd is like so freaked out that he like, before he, he can even do anything, he just faints. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, th- this scene was funny. Just, again, it went on a little long. If I were the director, I would have had it go a little bit shorter. Like, have Steve Crow make a move, and then Bruce just turns and runs into the wall, knocks himself out, and the other guy faints. That's all. He comes up through the old control exhibit, which we saw earlier in the movie. So he grabs the suit that was on display, the shoe phone, and the old car, which he yeah. drives through the doors. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Into, okay, that was not DC. <laughs> It didn't look like it, but... No. Yeah. It must have been L.A. I was disappointed that the car barely makes it a block. I well, mean, it, makes it makes sense. sense. It runs out of gas. It actually... I, I know it makes sense, but it was still disappointing because I like that car, and I was hoping it was going to stick around. Um, if I recall, that is one of the sh- like the, one of the cars from the show. There's two famous cars from the show, but I don't remember the types. It's that, and then mm-hmm. it's the other car. So he, like, is trying to stop people to, you know, commandeer their cars. Uh-huh. And this other guy, this older guy, comes and says, what are you doing in the middle of the road? You could get hit by a car. And then this car rear-ends him. But that right. was the other car that was famous in the show. Also, the guy there, I think, was the original Siegfried. I thought he might have been someone from the show. I was wondering why that part was even there. In L.A., the president is meeting with the chief. There are a lot of Bush jokes here, because he says uh, nuclear or, yeah, nuclear yeah, bombs. N- nuclear bombs. And he wears, like, the jacket, like, the Bush jacket with the logo on it, and just gen- kind of generally being dumb. And the president, amused by the VP getting tackled, but, you know, sides with him and doesn't doesn't believe that there's actual credible threat. Yes. It, it makes the point of, you know, if we responded to every threat, it would just be impossible. Mm-hmm. And so we see Max, you know, st- in the suit, running to an airport, and he calls 99. The chief has him trace... The, their cell phone and they say that his phone's in dc but we find out and he's made all the while he's making this really moving speech to 99 about how you know me you can trust me you can 
look me in the eyes and believe me. He's like, how can I look you in the eyes? He's like, uh-huh. I'm right behind you. Mm-hmm. And it's the old, I guess this is the other, like, recurring joke from the show is the the old da 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 trick when it's something very mm-hmm. convoluted. The old reroute the cell phone to the shoe phone so I can pop up right behind you trick. Right. 23, like, immediately pulls his Desert Eagle and, like, points it at Max's head. Yeah, the Desert Eagle makes its return. It looks really good on camera, which is why it's in so many movies, because it's so big. Well, I mean, that particular shot reminded me, like, a part in The Matrix, I think. It was, like, you know, when, yeah, you know, it, it does the dodge and turns, like, dodge this. Well, the agents in The Matrix use Desert Do Eagles. Do have Desert Eagles, yeah. So it kind of works. Then there's a brief throwaway where they're like, how'd you get here so fast? And then it uh, shows the pilot with, like, vomit. This- it did not work for me. I hated that. It is also confusingly cut. So he like got in an F-16 somehow and flew across the country. But how did he do it? No, it's well, he was weird. in the backseat. Yeah, but how did he convince an F-16 pilot that to fly is, him there? I don't know. That was, yeah, that was not, that didn't work for me. They should have just cut that all out totally and have it just not be explained. Yeah. There's plenty of other stuff that's not explained. Anyway, so 99 trusts Max Hunch. So there's a chief, but 23 doesn't. But, you know, the chief mm. gets him to go along with it. I like this joke that it was like, you know, we need to find the president. And they're like, I need, let me find a paper. And of course, there's these two planes. Like, the first one was funny. It was like, mm-hmm. where it's a, one of those planes with a sign flying behind it and says, present to attend concert at Disney Hall. And there's a plane going the opposite direction, which continues the message. So that was yeah. funny. So this was very reminiscent of the Naked God or Top mm-hmm. Secret or one yeah. of those kinds of things. We go over to Disney Hall where Starker's in the van and Siegfried's all dressed up in a tux is sneaking into Dis- the Disney Hall. Yeah, he says something racist to Dalib. He's like, if you oh. screw this up, your wife will have eaten her last kebab. Uh, so Siegfried's just terrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've never been to Disney Hall, but it is a familiar structure to me because I've seen it in a bunch of movies. I think it's in the first Iron Man. I have never heard of it. Yeah? Never even knew it existed until I watched this movie. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's like a, I think it's also in another uh, what's it uh, Robert Downey Jr. movie. There's one with him and Jamie Fox where Jamie Fox is like a like street musician or something. Oh yeah, I don't know the name, it's but I remember seeing too, if I recall. Okay. Yeah, it's got this like structure on the outside where it's all like metal, and so the leap you know pulls open one of the panels and puts the, the suitcase a, with a bomb. It's a suitcase nuke. It's a suitcase nuke. Yeah, he puts it in and then. Terrence Stamp, or I'm sorry, Siegfried with a hand laser. He is like filling out a Star Trek. It's like it's a not just a laser hand laser. Cutter. It is the one of the tuning pegs on his violin gets pulled out, and then it becomes a laser. Yeah, I like it when the bad guys have gadgets. Why do only the good guys even have gadgets? They can mix it off. Well, all the control agents go up to Disney Hall, mm-hmm. and the Secret Service still doesn't believe control. The chief is like gets a, gets into a pissing match with one of the Secret Service agents. Yes. But also, 23 doesn't, still doesn't believe Max. But as Max gets close to 23, his Geiger control watch starts going off. Oh, no. And then at this point, I realized, like, oh, yeah, the only proof they had that the weapons lab never existed was actually was 23's that? word. So this actually surprised you. Yeah, I didn't see it coming. Oh, okay. yeah. How could he be a bad guy? <laughs> yeah, they realize he's the mole, and he grabs 99 and takes off. And then the chief and Max steal a Secret Service agent's car and chase after him. They have mm-hmm. a chase, and like they they have Bruce and uh, Lloyd, you know, giving them satellite in, intel like updates. Yep. They take a shortcut through a driving range. Mm-hmm. Lots of golf jokes here. Yeah, and well, I, what I liked is the golf jokes. Okay, they're kind of funny, but there's like 
Max during this whole time is making us hold this whole speech about how how could he be so inobservant and not notice all these facts as he the car is getting pelted by golf balls. I like the golf balls getting stuck in the window and yeah. progressively more of them as they go by. And like as it's going, the chief is shouting all these things like watch out for you know the sand pit, the tractor, and then the swordfish. Yeah. So have you read Swamp Thing by Alan Moore? Some, of, but not a lot. In, in one of the very early stories, a guy gets killed by a swordfish. <laughs> very much like this. Wow. Uh, so we get a cutaway, a few like cutaway shots of 23 activating the bomb, but also the concert happening. So yeah. 23 has the detonator for the bomb. That's yeah. his suitcase. Yeah. But it's going to go off anyway. It's also on a it timer. It needs to be activated. No, it's not on a okay. timer. So the bomb was oh. set in place, but it needed to be activated. And the idea is the concert activates it. Yes, the music activates. That's why anytime we, and we didn't really talk about this, but any, when we see Siegfried a lot, he is playing music, and I think he even has like one of the bombs next to him or something, or something oh. that's training it to under, know the music. I don't really think I understood all the details about how that works, but I was willing yeah. to go with that by that point in the movie. The Max and the Chief commandeer a plane, and they chase after twenty three. Max is like, you know, get me lower. The chief's like, I can't get you low enough without, you know, letting him, he won't, without him hearing us. So mm -hmm. Max gets the idea. So this is another one of those, like, how many planes like this exist in LA where it's just signs, the banners going after them? Is this the one with the suicide hotline joke? Yep. Now, this movie really has it all, doesn't it? Uh, so yeah. this whole chase scene has really good combinations of some really good stunts, but then a couple kind of fake looking green screens. That's fair. But I think somewhere around them getting dragged behind the car, I know that's skipping ahead a little bit. I was like, wow, am I actually enjoying this? Am I actually <laughs> having a good time Stockholm watching this syndrome. movie? Is this actually a good movie? I don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, the action's good. Like, I I appreciated, like, uh, I think it was just the fighting inside the car. Like, when, mm. Anne, or, uh, when 99, there's this really nice roundhouse kick from the back seat to hit uh, 23 in the head. I was like, wow, that's a good kick. And it looked like it was actually Anne Hathaway doing it. I couldn't be sure. I also like the stunt flying where the, the plane, after they disconnect, when he like turns the plane sideways and flies through the bridge. Yeah, that, that was good. Real. Yeah. yeah. So, so Max gets, like, he hangs on the side. He knocks into some trucks. There's a scene. Wasn't there a joke like this in Night and Day where, like, the mom in the backseat doesn't notice what's going on with the kid? I believe so. <laughs> Yes. The kid's like, mom, mom, mom. And then she's on the phone. He's like, I don't remember the kid's name. So I'm going to just say, Steve, 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 Steve. You see how annoying that is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I laughed at that joke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Max does get, finally gets into the car and he even says like, wow. And like gets a gun at 23's head. He's like, wow, that was so cool. And then gets hit out of the car. If I managed to pull out something like that, I would be pretty happy with myself. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of fighting. At one point, they go off of the bridge that they were on onto train tracks. Yeah. The wheels come off. So it's just the, uh, what's that part of the wheel? Well, the tires come off. The tires then, come off. Thank and you. The, and then the wheel frame goes along Thank the you. tracks. The wheel, yes. Yeah. They like fall out and they're getting dragged, uh, holding oh, on to yeah. the, the sign behind There's the also, car. um, yeah. you, or 23 has Max pinned on top of the roof. Yes. Max remembers back to what what 99 did with Dalip mm -hmm. and decides to kiss him and, <laughs> and like it's slow it hilarious. But I, I, it was also some voice uh, voiceover sounds from the rock like no. Yeah. Hey, it's effective though. 
it does distract him, and then Max is able to kick him into the sunroof, back into the car. Mm-hmm. Back onto the banner, which at this point has been attached to the car and not mm-hmm. onto the truck, onto the plane anymore. But yeah, and so there's also train tracks coming from the opposite direction. Max is stuck on the banner, throws 99 off uh, so she can survive, gets his knife on and starts trying to get you know, cut himself free. Mm-hmm. 23, or the truck gets hit by the train. We see 23, you know, instantly explode. explode. <laughs> yeah. And so it looks like Max dies. Okay, yeah. I don't, I really don't mean to come off as like a feminist, like white knight type, because that's okay. not who I am. But I really, I never want to see another female character say, oh, fill in the blank, where fill in the blank is the main character's name. There's a part where Anne Hathaway looks longingly at the explosion. She says, oh, Max, I hated that. I mean, it's so regressive. Right. Is it? <laughs> yes. Come on. Well, okay. If it was any other character, like if it, if this was a buddy cop movie, uh huh, and the same thing happened, I feel like the reaction would be similar. It was like, oh, you know, it's a different tone though. It's like, oh, my heart. You know what I mean? I don't go, go see back it and that watch way. it. Okay, whatever. Okay. Write in if you agree with me or if you don't agree with me. I may or may not read it. It's fine. We can keep going. But of course, Max is alive. He mm-hmm. he, he makes a joke, the missed it by that much a joke again. Right. But we see that the football is broken, so they cannot deactivate the bomb. Yeah. Oh, one other thing about his survival is I appreciated that, unlike a lot of other implausible survival in movies, this one actually was kind of believable because he was on the ground and yeah. then the train ran over. I don't know if Mythbusters ever did, like, if you actually can survive if you, like, press yourself to the ground and a train goes over you. It seems survivable. I don't know. But also, I couldn't catch well enough where he was, like, whether he actually managed to roll. I thought he just rolled off to the other side in time. It's ambiguous. Like, maybe okay. he could have cut it and then rolled off before that happened. Either way, so. So the other thing, that w- the important thing is that on the screen for the football is a thing that says Operation Joy, which Max then realized, oh, to joy, it was playing over there. And, mm-hmm. you know, Siegfried said it end with a bang. So they realized that it's the bomb is in Disney Hall. Yes. So they call the chief. They run over to Disney Hall and Chief, you know, lands the plane out right outside and realize that the final notes of Ode to Joy must trigger the bomb. They have to stop the performance. Uh-huh. It's about to end and they're about to play the final notes. You even see, like, Sieg cut away Siegfried, like, in the truck, driving away, doing it, like, listening to it and then, you know, doing his, like, conducting. And then Max tackles the conductor and takes him out before he can play the last notes. President loves it. I thought this was funny. The president's <laughs> like, this is the best part of the whole show is somebody getting tackled. <laughs> so the Secret Service agents come in. They're like, what are you doing? You know, and they're like, wait, no, wait, there's a bomb here. He's like, where? And Max says, would you believe in the piano? Which turns out to be a total guess, but yes, it's correct. but it was right. And so mm-hmm. everyone's clapping and, uh-huh. and you know, everyone takes a bow. And then they say, Max, take a bow. This also reminded me of Star Trek 16 Discovered Country because someone gets tackled <laughs> and assassination is prevented. Uh, Everybody claps. All right. Archie goes right. for a picture that nobody took. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he bows. You know, the chief from 99 are like, should we tell him? And apparently, mm-hmm. I'm like, nope, just, you know, savor the moment. 
Yeah, because nice it turns out his butt is exposed. But for some reason, his butt isn't, like, injured at all. That doesn't no, make no. any sense. Well, he does make a reference to, like, it before. Hurts. It was like, it, was bru- yeah. it felt like it was bruised or something. So I didn't find the butt funny until he says, this is the proudest moment of my life. <laughs> and then I thought that was funny. <laughs> okay. Uh, Siegfried and the Starker and Dalip are driving away. Siegfried is, you know, pissed that it didn't work, but is, you know, says, you know, but you did actually did your job, but I can't, so I can't actually kill your wife, even though it would be doing the world a favor, and Dalip's just getting so pissed off, he just punches him out of the car. He finally goes too far, and he ragdolls out of the car off the bridge, presumably to his death, though I guess if they were going to do a sequel, that would be pretty easy to bring him back. So back at uh, Control HQ... Max is per- permanently promoted to an agent or permanently made an agent. Maybe I'm the one who said, per- well, actually, so uh, looking back at the movie, I know that the chief says, I can't make you an agent, but I don't think he says, actually says promoted. The only people who has said the words promoted were Max. So he, in his mind, he views it as a promotion, but, but it may not actually be. I don't remember who says promotion and who doesn't. It All is I know Max, is I know. Oh, okay. So in his mind, and mm-hmm. I'm the one who said promote as well, so, but he's permanently made an agent. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the dog that he saw looking in the window, like uh, Agent 99 got him the dog. We also meet Agent Jaime. Yes, played by David Putty from Seinfeld. Uh, yes, Patrick, Patrick Warburton. Warburton. Yes, also name. Kronk from Emperor's mm-hmm. New Groove. Among many other parts, both He's live great. action He's great. and yeah. a voice actor. So, of course, Larrabee and 91 are like, oh, it's time to play pick on the new guy. But, of course, you know, he, he takes advantage and beat them up instead. Yeah, more workplace violence. Very hilarious. And then it's revealed that Bruce and Lloyd are controlling him via remote control, like yeah. a Radio Shack remote control, mm-hmm. which was not true in the series. From the episode that we saw. We don't know. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I don't know. But it was nice to get Jaime in there. And so we have the end credits with the doors where, you know, they go mm-hmm. up the elevator, they walk, and then all the doors close behind them, except the one last door seems to be stuck. So Max is going to go investigate it, and 99 is like, you know, I'll just let maintenance do it. Nope. And the door hits him. And then he drops the pocket knife, and one of the bolts from the crossbow hits him in the face. Yeah, one more example of slapstick humor. That- cringe slapstick it's not just regular like a regular slapstick i you know i like but this is just like mm-hmm. too much all right yeah. and that is get smart 2008 oh my goodness so much to be said about it so cerebral or not as the case may be <laughs> i right. actually have some spy fact versus all right fiction. go for it and my source for all of this stuff is wikipedia Okay, so yellow cake uranium. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. I was going to cover this, but go ahead. It's just about the raw version of uranium. It's made, you pull it out of the ground, and then you crush it into a fine powder after being mm-hmm. milled. So it's not particularly dangerous unless you inhale it or consume it. So it's probably not a good idea to have an actual cake in the presence <laughs> of yellow cake. Like oh, they do in that's the movie. what you wanted. <laughs> all right. But in order to make it dangerous, you have to refine it and enrich it, which anyone who's read a newspaper article about the Iranian enrichment program knows it requires way more effort than one tiny little warehouse under a bakery. I mean, to be fair, that whole, like, they had, it looked like they had a whole production facility there. So who knows? The uranium has also has very low radioactivity. It is radiologically harmless. So I think it's a little bit of a stretch that someone who is in its presence would be setting off Max's Geiger counter. Interesting. Also, fun fact about it. Uh-huh. Most yellow cake produced by modern mills is actually brown or black, not yellow. 
Okay. The name comes from the color and texture of the concentrates produced by early mining operations. Mm, so it's like not even correct yeah. anymore. No, no. Next, I have Easter Island heads. They make a reference oh, yes, to they... uh, someone looking like an Easter Island head. They're uh -huh. actually called Moai statues. Yes, that's correct. There are nearly a thousand of them, and they were created by the Rapa Nui people, Aboriginal Polynesians. Mm -hmm. yeah. The next thing I have, April 18th, 1987, Debbie Williams, a skydiver, collided with her fellow skydiver named Guy Fitzpatrick, and mm -hmm. she was knocked unconscious. Instructor yeah. Gregory Robertson dove towards her, caught up at 3,500 feet, which is 10 seconds from impact with the ground. Wow. He pulled her chute at 2,000 feet, saving her life, though she suffered a skull fracture, broken ribs, and an injured kidney. The incident was listed for years in the Guinness Book of World Record as the lowest midair rescue ever. Both the United States and the USSR have created nuclear weapons small enough to be transported in specially designed backpacks in the uh. 1950s and 1960s. None of created one small enough to be used in an actual suitcase, at least hmm. as far as anyone knows. However, the backpacks yield much smaller than a normal nuclear weapon, which okay. is something that bugged me because I was like, if you're going to assassinate the president with a nuke, why would you put it in the same building when nuclear weapons would devastate the entire city? Why would you put it in the one building that they're going to be searching? Just put it next door or a block away. But if the yield is so much lower, then yeah, you want to make yeah. sure that you put it right where it needs. Yeah. They actually do sell Geiger counter watches nowadays. They run the lowest I've seen is about two thousand uh, dollars. I've seen others that are more expensive. So I don't, but I don't know how effective they are. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if there was actually like if you could actually drive on a rail car with the spokes of your uh, tires. Well, in they, they do it in Back to the Future Part Three. Yeah, but in that case, you know, it could have been modified right. by the doctor fit. Whereas this mm -hmm. is like a straight off the, you know, uh, off the road goes mm -hmm. onto it, which I think they also do in what like Octopussy, one of the other bonds. Mm -hmm. So I've not found anything online, but there are vehicles called road rail vehicles, which are dual mode, which can operate both on rail tracks and conventional roads. Okay. But they have cool. adapters, which uh -huh. but it is cool that there are things that can do that. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Well, Seemingly, there's no Cafe Mince Pins in Smolensk. <laughs> I saw what you did there. I was curious. Mm -hmm. Smolensk is, you know, a city that's uh, about 160 kilometers or 220 miles outside of Moscow, and it is one of the oldest Russian cities. Mm -hmm. The fingerprints. Okay. That exact uh, methodology. Not, I'm not sure if it could work, but at, at this time, like. Fingerprint scanners were, you know, not as secure as they might be now. Mm. On MythBusters, they did like test a bunch of methods to break into it. One of which was okay. So they like, you know, did uh, you know, put latex on your thumb, uh, or sorry, a latex uh, fingerprint on your own thumb to fool the scanner. Also, you, using a copy of a thumbprint on ballistics gel, but even using a paper copy of a fingerprint, but licking the paper. To simulate sweat was enough to fool the sensors. Wow, interesting. Of course, that's not what they do in the movie. They just no, breathe on it. It's almost. I, I couldn't find anything that actually used that specific method, but it's not entirely implausible. The point is, they were pretty easy to fool in all sorts of yeah. unusual ways. Exactly. Right. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So there was going to be a sequel to this movie, but they never got the script script quite right. And I think the last update was in 2019, where one of the producers said, yeah, that's pretty much the ship has sailed on it. But between the original show and this movie, first there was the made-for-TV reunion movie called Get Smart Again in 1989, 
mm-hmm. which had all the original cast. But then in 1995, there was a sequel series, which only lasted one series. Oh, sorry, one season, which featured, you know, Max as the new chief of control. But his bungling son, Andy, uh, played by Andy Dick, as Zach, as one of the top control agents. Don't put Andy Dick as your lead in a show. So it only lasted one season. And then, of course, Andy Dick moved on to news radio, which is where he really got popular. Mm hmm. Yeah, but that's all I have for spy fact versus spy fiction. All right, time for your favorite quotes. Would you like to go first? I also have a bunch, so why don't you go ahead? I like one of the first things he says is, you know, until we understand that our enemies are also human beings, we will never be able to defeat them. They are bad guys, but that is what they do, not who they are. Mm -hmm. I also liked, this is chaos. We don't cut freaking boom here. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And I know we said the joke, but uh, let's see, it was like, it's only fair to is surrounded by a highly trained team of 130 black ops snipers. Mm-hmm. Would you believe two dozen Delta Force commandos? How about Chuck Norris with a BB gun? Yep. Nice. I'll tell you what we're not. We're not people to jam staples into other people's heads. That's CIA crap. Yeah, I like that that's CIA crap. <laughs> yeah. Still, it's too bad about all the dead movie stars. Mm-hmm. Yes. What will we do without their razor sharp political advice? Wow, that is a prescient quote <laughs> for 2021. Uh, and last but not least, mm-hmm. you have reached the United States Department of Homeland Security for threats against the continent of the United States. Press one for their threats against Hawaii. Press two. And I appreciate that because usually Hawaii gets zero mention. And this is one of my pet peeves, like even like patriotic songs, like even songs made after 9-11. They're always from New York to L.A. or anything, just the continental. They never mention Hawaii. From sea Uh, to shining sea, yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. Or even disaster movies. Most disaster movies never touch Hawaii, except for 2012, which had like all of the volcanoes exploding in Hawaii. So the fact that that Hawaii acknowledged that I'm from Hawaii, I appreciated that. And they also even I, mentioned, like, for, for threats against Guam or Puerto Rico, the Canary Islands, press three. <laughs> so I thought it was a reference to that time that Hawaii got that warning that they were going to get hit by a ballistic missile. But that must have been after 2008. That was, like, last year or two years ago. No, two years ago. Okay, so it's just prescient and yeah. again. <laughs> All right, what are your favorite quotes? So I liked when Bruce says, for the record, I never actually used the word ready in referring to the code <laughs> of silence. Because that's something I feel like I would say. I like when the guy says, I'm not afraid to expose myself. The the next line after that is like, do you ever think before you're talking? He's like, no, I just sort of whip it out there. I don't like it when they telegraph the jokes. Like, don't explain the joke. Like, keep keep it moving. That wasn't explaining that. It was just like even adding it more so, I thought. Okay. I I didn't care for that part, so it's fine. I I liked the exchange when Max says, if you want it, you're going to have to come take it. And Agent 23 says, I know, that's what I just said. (laughs) <laughs> and then finally my personal favorite quote from this movie is i'm just a woman with a dusty old uterus oh god <laughs> all uh, right so that is our quotes and now it is time for our ratings on a scale of one to ten martinis one being a terrible spy movie ten being a fantastic spy movie how would you rate get smart 2008 all right do you want to go first Okay, so the beginning of the movie, <laughs> I really did not care for it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that funny. The humor was pretty cringy. It felt like it was going to be really long. But as it went on, the stunts got better. I found myself liking the characters more. Okay. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's about a 50%. 
I'm gonna incline to agree with that. I will give it five and a half martinis because it average is out to be okay. okay. All right. I was worried you were going to give this a three like you gave Spies in Disguise because you made so many comparisons between the two. Did I really give Spies in Disguise a three? Yes, you did. <laughs> mm, I must have been a little harsher back then. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to give this a solid seven. I appreciate this movie and I enjoyed it. Like the comedy does work for me. Like I was laughing. And like I said, I think in comparison to Johnny English, which I also enjoy, but I watched this and I liked it better. Like I, in my mind, because I, it was fresh in my memory, I watched it compared it to that and you know we can talk more about that one whenever we get to that mm-hmm. um but yes yeah, so i really i really enjoyed it and uh i was disappointed that there was no sequel to this ever made um mm-hmm. who knows maybe they'll reboot it in, a- in another 10 years time and we'll see i like like one thing that uh, did always felt a little off to me was the age gap between and Hathaway and Steve Carell. But I did like that they at least made a reference to her actually being older than she looked. It didn't really bug me that much. Maybe yeah. it's because it's become so common in movies now. Right. It becomes more glaring, though, as time goes on, where you have still the same actors and they're put with, like, 20-something actresses as their romantic lead. Right. So I feel like as our actors have aged, it's just become even more glaring. But just on on a whole, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the comedy. I did enjoy it, like the fight scenes, like looked good. Okay. For the most part, other than like some yeah some dodgy green screens, but yeah. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us. You can find us on social media at the Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Christian, and I'm Zach, and we are the Spy Fi Guys. Signing off. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. The theme music is by Jer Fitzgerald and Big Man Joe. Media reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.